we put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real-world impact scenarios. Globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. All right. Hey, everybody. It's Michael Antonovich. We're going to do an episode of the Swap Moto podcast presented by Fly Racing. With me on the phone right now is Joey Savacci. Everybody knows all that Joey's going through right now. Uh, just coming off of his first full season on the 450, was a Monster Energy Kawasaki rider for the whole time. But recent weeks has lost his ride as Adam Cincerilla moved into the spot and different deals with contracts have kept him from securing a full-time spot just now. Um, we're recording this first week of September, so it's not panic season for off-season off signings, but by this point, most top-level 450 guys have something worked out. Joey, unfortunately, does not. So we're going to talk about 2019 as a whole, everything that happened so far, and then what's going on as we go forward, because he will be on the starting line next year. He's going to be on the starting line in just a few weeks in Australia. How all of that goes about remains to be seen, but the plan is to be there. So, Joey, thanks for getting on the phone with me. Uh, sounds like everything's been good now that you're a new dad, and that's probably been a nice deal to have something to take your mind off of everything else going on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for uh, thanks for calling me up and, and uh, getting this thing sorted. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a uh, – it's a tough, tough sport, man. Um, you know, obviously right now, uh, just kind of, uh, free agent, I guess you would call it. Um, obviously had a baby girl, uh, three, a little over three weeks ago. And that's, uh, that's been very, uh, very helpful. Like you said, it's kind of keeping me, keeping my mind clear. And, you know, I've been, uh, really focused on, uh, hanging out with, with her and, and the wife and, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, that the baby's taken care of and, uh, you know, I'm doing everything I can at home as far as taking, trying to take all the, the middle of the night shifts and, and getting up with the baby so she can sleep, you know, cause I know, um, in a couple of months, I, it's, I'm not going to be able to do that every night. Um, so I'm just trying to do, to play the, uh, part-time at home dad currently, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're trying to get something lined up in the works and, uh, it's, it's, it's been a little tough, you know, considering, um, I feel like I've shown uh, a lot of potential and, um, had a lot of good results this year. Um, you know, one heat races and all, all the good stuff. And it's just, uh, unfortunately, um, just kind of in a tough spot. Um, and you know, I'm not going to sit here and go boohoo me, boohoo there, but I just have, I feel like I've been put in a, in a tough spot a few times, um, maybe more than others, but at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm confident in, in my ability and, uh, you know, like I know what I can do and someone wants to give me the opportunity and, uh, or our team wants to give me the opportunity and they're excited to have me, then, uh, you know, we'll make that happen and, uh, I'll do everything I can in the off season to, uh, to be ready, um, come January and, uh, to, to show everyone that they made a mistake. So you're no stranger to a one-year deal. You've said that almost everything, every contract you've ever signed has been a one-year deal. Yep. When this deal with Monster Energy Kawasaki last year came about, that was right clear ahead, one-year deal, right? Uh, there was there was a stipulation in there that uh, m- could have moved it to 
to an optional second year. Um, I, I don't want to get too too in depth in that just because I, I don't know the exact wording on it. Right. Um, but I do know that there was something in there that could have possibly uh, had I met X amount of goals or or something. Um, there was a, an option for for another year and you know like i said I, I don't know the details and i don't know how the wording is on the contract so i don't know if there was a way for them to get out of that um i, I don't know but um you know like, like i said it's it, either way it's it's been tough but i feel like i've proved myself an, enough to um to, to the industry um time and time again that you know i i can be i can be a factor and i can be a player um it's just you know it's uh it ain't it's not easy and uh you know the class is full of uh full of champions and and, and winners and man i feel like uh feel like we hold our own this year so it's uh it's been tough um but like like you said everything i've ever had has been one year um and that's just you know fuel adds fuel to the fire for me you know it's uh every one year it's happened i've i've made out on it and and i've made positive on it you know whether it be um you know maybe uh, increase a little bit in salary or 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 something i've benefited from the one year deals and you know it doesn't always go that way but i i'd like to believe that i'm confident enough to where i don't have to worry about not having multi year deal um you know it's just that's just my mentality and it's, it's always been that way and it always will be that way i'm not one that's going to uh you know get a two or three year deal and and just be super satisfied with it you know with the one year deals it, it keeps me hungry and uh you know, it, it reminds me that uh, basically I'm living paycheck to paycheck, um, you know, because no no ride is, is guaranteed. And, and obviously I know that the following year is not guaranteed. So, you know, it definitely keeps me on my toes. And uh, would it be would it be nice to have a, a three year deal? Absolutely. Would it take a little bit of stress off? Of course. But at the same time, you know, when it's a one year deal and you're living one year to one year, it's uh, it reminds you that, uh, you know, what, what I'm doing is. Uh, it, it's not guaranteed and it's a privilege that I'm able to do it. So it's, uh, it keeps me humble and, you know, I just try to try to keep, keep myself grounded and, and keep working. Okay. Well, um, the way that your last year at pro circuit worked out, I mean, not the greatest season and you've stated that in the past, were you surprised a bit maybe that Kawasaki had taken the chance to sign you right away or had that been a long-term plan in the process? Well, uh, I don't want to say that it was a long-term plan, but it was in talks for, for quite a while. Um, I think even towards the end of 17, it kind of had gotten brought up. Um, and it was something that we had gone back and forth on a little bit. Um, and then obviously going into 18, um, it was brought up a little bit more. Um, and then obviously, as you said, that, that year wasn't a great year for me or, or the team at all. You know, that's, that's just kind of the, the tough thing for me is I was put on the spotlight because I was expected, um, you know, to be the top dog, which, which I should have been. But if you look at the results all year, it's not like, um, you know, it's not like one, one rider on the team was just crushing it every weekend. You know, I think us as a whole and, and the team, I just think it, we struggled. And, um, you know, I think there was th some things that needed to be fixed and, uh, it's it's tough when you're expected to be the top dog and and uh you know you're you're expected to win every weekend and and you just feel like there's some things missing that that are making it that much harder to do um but like i said you know middle of 18 towards the end of it it was kind of 
back and forth quite a bit, and then um, I can't remember when, but they basically pulled the trigger and um, you know said that they that they were going to do do something that it was probably only going to be a one year, um, which you know I didn't really care because at the time I just wanted to uh, I wanted to be given the opportunity to prove myself, um, you know, that, that I am capable of, uh, of making the switch and, you know, and that I can be, um, competitive and, you know, and I can show, show that, you know, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a flop. And, and for me, like that was the big thing coming in, obviously, you know, I love the critics cause you know, they love me. Of course, I'm probably, probably one of the one that gets hammered the most, but, um, you know, coming into the season, it was like, Oh, what a waste. You know, he won't even make it through three rounds, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's just, they're just there. He's just a seat warmer, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, as it turned out, pretty much I was a seat warmer, but I think I proved a lot of people wrong. Um, You know, I don't think a single person in in the entire world besides the people in my corner and that being my wife, um, my dad, you know, obviously my trainer Osho and, and Ricky and Jeannie Carmichael and, you know, my small group, I think they kind of, um, they knew what I could do if I showed up and, and I, uh, performed, but, um, I don't think there was a single person that you, that you asked or could have asked before the season started, if I would have done as well as I did. And I can promise you a hundred percent of them would have said not a chance. Um, and you know, like I said, that just goes back to everyone online and everyone in general just saying that I won't make it past two rounds or three rounds, you know, and then I'll be out and, you know, that'll be the end of it. And, uh, obviously for me being a competitive person, I love that stuff, dude. I love when people doubt me and, and I can prove them wrong because it just, it, uh, you know, it helps. It helps when there's, when there's people out there that don't believe and, you know, you don't have to fire back and, and trash talk them online. You can go out there and get the job done on the weekend and, uh, you know, kind of make them regret, not regret, but, you know, think twice about what they're saying and make them not feel dumb because, they're saying it online. They obviously don't care what they, what they look like, but you know, I, I like to go out there and prove them wrong just because it makes them, makes them look silly. And, uh, you know, I don't have to fire back with, with words or, uh, or any, or anything like that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the transition to the 450, how did that go? You're not exactly the biggest guy in the class. I think you're like what, five, nine and like 150 yep. pounds. So you're not exactly the ideal 450 rider, but, that first week at Monster Cup, everybody saw like, oh yeah, he's he's got a handle on it already. Yeah, I think you know the transition went really well. Um, you know, I think even on the 250, I was never a guy that um, hung it out, um, and, and I was always a guy who I felt like was more calculated, um, a little bit more throttle control, uh, more precise, and. Uh, and honestly, I hadn't ridden a 450 since I was an amateur B class at, uh, actually, no, it was A class at Mammoth, um, you know, whenever that was. And, um, man, I haven't ridden a 450 in so long. So, obviously, going to that transition was, I was a little bit nervous because I haven't ridden one in so long. But, you know, as soon as I got on it and I got a day or two under my belt, I could kind of feel the transition happening and, and happening relatively smoothly. And, it was one of those things where like I was enjoying it again. I was enjoying riding my dirt bike and um, I didn't feel like I was trying to twist the throttle off the bars. Um, you know, and there's been guys who in, in the past have, have had uh, successful 250 careers. Um, but, you know, I, I've always noticed that a lot of the guys who are very, um, 
very hard on the bike or uh, aren't the most precise kind of descendant type guys, they more times than not, I've always felt like they have a little bit harder time transitioning um, than those who are a little bit more precise. I think you look at someone like a Marvin, you know, like he made that transition to 450 and yeah, he's, he's probably, he might be 5'10", but he probably weighs less than I do, um, you yeah. know, and he's such a precise technique guy that, you know, he adapted right away and, and he's been good since, and he's won multiple races and he's been in the title hunt multiple times. And, you know, and majority of the guys, I feel like, who made the transition who were good are, are like that. But then, and then you have the exceptions like Eli. Eli's not like that. He's a, he's a bulldog. He's going to bend the bars in half. He's going to, he's going to hit every hole, every bump on the track. And that's just how he is, you know, like, so you can't change if it works for him, you can't change it. Um, so it's just, I think the transition for me went about as good as it possibly could have. Um, you know, I got out there right away and we got on the bike and, uh, we put our heads down and, and started making, started making progress. And, uh, you know, all, with all this going on, it's, it's people don't understand. Like I knew from the beginning that it was a one year deal and it's, it's, you know, it's hard having that on you because I know coming into the season and, and beginning testing and everything, all I'm doing is getting the bike better for whoever's taking over my spot. And at the time I knew who it was going to be. And, you know, it's, I don't want to, it doesn't sound petty. <clears throat> at least I don't think it does, but it's tough knowing that all the work you did all year, um, you know, and all the struggles and, and all the directions and time we spent testing, you know, is for nothing because I'm not going to be there. And that's, that's definitely, uh, it's tough, man. It, it really is. But, you know, I did the best that I could to, to, you know, to shut all that out and to worry about me and, and knowing that I had to get the best results possible so I can try and secure a job for the following year. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd be sitting here lying to you if, if there wasn't times where I'm like, dude, I just want to, I don't even want to, say anything anymore i just want to show up and race the bike and leave and i want to give them any input because it's not doing me any good um you know but you can't live like that and um it's just it's not right and you know in the team for the most part um my side of the team uh theo and and brummy my suspension guy and, and my mechanic justin you know they worked their butts off and um you know we worked all year even to the last round you know we were trying things and um, it's, uh, it was kind of like a, a weird deal leaving and all that, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's a lesson and, you know, I learned a lot from it and I'll take it moving forward. So kind of, I had a list of questions in mind of, in, in an order I wanted to ask them, but you kind of jumped right into one that's later on and I'd rather just get it out of the way now. Um, okay. you said you knew who was going to get your spot already and, me being like on the outside looking in as a media guy, we all thought at certain points in the Supercross season, oh yeah, Adam is going to go to Honda to be with Ken because they're such good friends. And you had done so well that you had pretty much like re-earned your spot. So was that just a misconception by all of us that that was never really to be? Because I thought it seemed like for a long time, Adam to Honda was like a done deal. No, I think that was, um, it, it was never anywhere close to a done deal um as far as i know um and again I, it's, it's it's hard, hard to talk about all that yeah. yeah it's it's a fine line because i don't want to get anyone in trouble but you know there was talks for sure at one point in time um i don't think the talks lasted very long um but i think at one point in time there was there was a little bit of of chitter chatter back and forth between ac and honda but um i don't think 
As far as I know, it didn't last very long. Okay. So then next thing, now that we have that out of the way, we'll go back to the list that I had, uh, Monster Cup. Coming into that weekend, I would think there was almost no expectations for you. It was probably just click off three lap or three motos, do what you got to do. But then, as we saw in that last one, you were leading the damn thing and riding really, really well. Um, and then we all know what happened in those last laps and and everything like that. And you've been really open and honest about all of that. You know, we discussed it in how was your weekend immediately after the race, and you you said, hey, yeah, I did what I had to do. Like this is what you do to be a teammate like yes it's an individual sport but it's also a teammate sport as well so can you take me back through that like how that first race went what it was like to lead those laps and then all that transpired after that or is it kind of too much of a of a deal right now no hey man i got nothing but time um so i mean obviously going into monster cup um you don't really know what to expect um i had a few weeks on supercross and i felt pretty good um it, it was uh it's so unknown it's like a1 all over again because you're coming in and you're like wow i feel really good but you don't know where anyone's gonna be you know you don't know if if you feel good and you're way off you don't know if you feel good and you are gonna be one of the best it's just one of those things is it's unknown and that's what's you know and that's what's uh that's what i love about this sport is there's so much unknown and it's there's nothing guaranteed you know like i think uh, as we've seen in years past with with multiple people and myself included and one of them there's nothing that's ever promised and uh you know so coming into it obviously no pressure and then uh you know we got there for press day and you know it was a little rusty was a little tight um nervous and then obviously we come into the race saturday and we go for qualifying and i don't remember what i qualified maybe seventh or something i can't remember but it was uh I mean, it wasn't bad, you know, by any means. I felt like <clears throat> all things considered, um, it was off to a good start. And, you know, I had the plan in my head, and I know where I wanted to be. If I could be, um, you know, top, close to the top five, I think I would have been happy. Um, you know, obviously, um, the plan was to get good starts. And then, obviously, we got for the first one, and I whole shot. And that was probably, like, the worst thing that could have happened because I get the whole shot my first race, and then I'm, I'm like, holding on super tight i'm freaking out you know I'm, I'm trying to go i'm riding over my head because i've never been in that spot it's all new and you know, i got a lot of dudes behind me and uh you know that one that one went or came and went and it wasn't bad you know i was pretty happy with it we got to get we got a good start we put ourselves in a position to do well and to learn and that was the goal and then we go into the second one um i didn't get didn't get the start um and I kind of got stuck behind a few guys that made it hard for me to pass. I shouldn't say that. I hate using the word stuck because obviously they were going fast. But it just, I, I was behind people who I couldn't get around. And it made it very difficult um, on my race. And I really felt like I was held back that moto. And that was frustrating. And then uh, obviously coming down to the third one. Um, you know, we're getting ready to go down and I'm warming up on the bike and Eli's next to me warming up on the bike. And, you know, I kind of joked with him. I said, Hey, I said, you know, like, where are you going to go? And, uh, obviously he had first gate pick. He said, I'm going to go. Um, I can't remember what he said. And, uh, I was like, all right. I was like, do you have a preference? I was like, do you care if I go inside of you or outside of you? I was like, you know, you got a lot more on the line than I do. <clears throat> and, uh, he like, he kind of like just shrugged his shoulders. Like, no, nah, I don't care. And, uh, and at the time is it was his crew chief mikey you know I heard, he overheard it and he like kind of walked over he's like oh, it doesn't matter we're gonna beat you to the first turn anyways and i laughed and i was like all right bet so you know we <clears throat> go to the gate whatever drop the gate get the whole shot 
and I'm leading and I'm leading and you know it's yo-yoing a little bit I actually got shafted one lab with the medic flag and I rolled when I didn't need to or something I can't remember but I lost like two seconds that lap and uh you know as the race is coming down I got a comfortable lead I know where everyone is and I'm like dude we could win this thing um you know when we come around I think it's like three laps left I heard the crowd go really loud and uh and obviously coming around I saw the pit board with uh two laps left um and as I was coming into the corner I saw uh Kranz Eli's mechanics take his pit board out so obviously I know who's behind me and I know what's on on the line and uh, you know coming around that lap all the way up until the sand coming back into the stadium I uh <clears throat> excuse me I pretty much stayed you know race pace trying to keep the pace that I could and then uh, coming around back into the stadium <clears throat> is really where I realized I, I knew where he was I knew the gap and I knew the right thing to do at that point in time was I need to let him by because if the roles were reversed I would hope that you know my teammate whoever it would be would be smart enough to be like all right like I got nothing to to win here I mean I might win the moto and that would get me second overall sweet but at the same time if I win the moto I take the million dollars from my teammate you know and I think that being said um in itself is enough to be like all right you know I know the right thing to do so coming around for the white flag I start slowing up not not noticeably but enough to where the plan was I wanted him to catch me basically right where he did. I wanted him to catch me leaving the stadium because in my mind, and this is how sometimes when you're in the moment, you're just not thinking. In my mind, I'm like, okay, if I can get outside of the stadium and I can let him by, it's not going to be obvious because we're outside of the stadium and you know there's no crowd out there. And this is, and it sounds so dumb now and I laugh at it every time I say it because I'm like, dude, how can I be so stupid? Like, yeah. I should know better being in that spot before and knowing how the races work, you know, like looking back on it, it's funny because it's, that was probably the worst spot to do it. But in my mind, you know, in the heat of the moment in the race, I'm like, all right, dude, if I can get to outside and I can get outside away from everyone, I can let them by and it's not going to be super obvious. Well, you know, so I come around and, and, uh, by mechanics there for the last time and, and I see the pivot board and, and, and I don't remember what Justin wrote, but I'm like, all right. So I kind of, I came out of the tunnel from the Joker lane, and if you saw on TV, I looked back. And I knew where he was, and I knew how much time I needed to, to give him. So coming down the start straight um, towards mechanics, I shut off a little early, went to the corner slow, um, You know, came up around the, the first turn where we jumped back into the sand. I really took my time to make sure I jumped into the sand good. Um, you know, went really high. It wasn't – there was no um, sense of urgency in me. And, you know, it's – people are – probably sit here or listen and don't believe me but if you watch the film there's no sense of real urgency like i gotta go and you know like as i made it towards the end of the sand i heard him there and i'm like okay perfect we get outside and i launched a single and i look back and he's right you know he's there he's not like right next to me but he's behind me and i'm like okay perfect as soon as i land i'll pull over because we're behind the billboards right there and i'll wave him by and he'll get in front of me and you know it's all good and dandy so you know did what i thought was right pulled over, waved him by, got him behind him, and he went on the win. And, uh, you know, and that was and that was the end of it. Um, and, you know, to, to get into – I mean, do you have anything to say on top of that before I get into the second half of this? 
no, I, I, I kind of do. Uh, I don't think that you got to beat yourself up about that because, like, I watched the NASCAR race this weekend. I watch every F1 race. I watch all of this stuff. Like, it's not an uncommon thing. In F1, it's pretty well known, like, even in qualifying. Like, this weekend, there was a huge controversy. Dude, that was crazy. At Monza, because, like, everybody's in Ferrari is pissed at each other because Leclerc was supposed to, he was going to get pulled by Vettel in the first half, and then Leclerc was going to pull Vettel in the second half for the slipstream to make the car faster. And so it's it's a known thing that there is a team tactic deal to this. There's There's always an element to that. I think that the way you did it in Vegas that night was the best way to go about it. I've always thought that. If you had just, like, laid up in a corner inside the middle of the stadium and let him, like, block past you or something, that would have been super obvious because if you saw what, like, Marv did for Dungey years ago and it just yep. sent people into a tirade, you did it the best, like, most elegant way possible to do it. So there really is no way that you could be like, oh, yeah, he, he did this the wrong way. Like, you can't beat yourself up because there is no – there is no way – there's no proper way to pull over and let somebody go without it looking too obvious. You know. Yeah, I mean? ab- absolutely. And, you know, and that's the thing that I guess a lot of people are, are, are uh, very narrow-minded. Um, you know, there's, there's team orders in every, every sport of, of motorsport, of anything there is. There's team orders. And, you know, whether people – can agree with that or not it's just it's just the truth and you know people are always against uh one-way communication or headsets in the helmet because you know then it takes the rider skill out of it and you know then you have people in here telling you what to do um you know and my argument on that was is the whole one-way communication was the team to you so you get your lap times so you don't have to read a pit board anymore you can get your lap times and then, obviously, if there's a down rider somewhere you're coming up on, they can come through the radio and say, hey, you know, after this triple, that next left, you got a down rider on the right side, medic flags out. Then you take away any risk of, um, of a human error because you have a third person there in your ear telling you. And if your bike's smoking um, you know, or you're losing coolant, hey, dude, you got like, to shut it down. This mm-hmm. bike's going to blow up. Then it takes away so much risk because it's you're not by yourself out there and basically in the middle of a war by yourself. You have people talking to you, and I've said that from from the very beginning that when this conversation got brought up, I would love one way communication um, because we don't need two way. What what do I need? Yeah, I mean, you're ma- so ma- in the moment and your yeah. heart rate is so high. Like it's not like you're talking to anybody. And and maybe we do have two way, but maybe it's it's mainly one way. I can see where two way is beneficial if I'm riding. And like, uh, for example, at Washougal this year, my header pipe broke. All right. And I know now that it's not an issue, but I lost so much time. Those two laps, because the first lap I came by, I pointed down and the head pipe was gone. And the second lap I came in and I was getting ready to pull in the pits and Justin wrote on the pit board, keep going. You're fine. Dude. I lost probably, I think it was eight seconds. Those two laps for the amount of time I slowed up. Just because you're stressing about it. Yeah. That's stressing. I don't know if the bike's going to blow up. Um, you know, I I don't know. I'm not a mechanic, so I don't know. Had we had two way communication, soon as that thing broke, I could have radioed and said, "Hey guys, the header pipe just broke. Am I good to keep going, or is this thing gonna blow up?" Right away, they could have come back and said, "Hey, no. If it's just the header pipe, you're good. We'll listen when you come by. If we feel like there's something that's dangerous, we'll let you know." Boom, out of the way, and there's there's no more questioning anything. Um, so like, there's, I, I think one way communication would be. 
not a bad thing. I think people are very against it because it's, you know, it's new school and people hate new school. They want two strokes, you know, and they want, they yeah, want they two want stroke races and they, they want, want it to be the, the nineties every day. All yep. Day. yep. They want it to be 35 rounds of outdoor two stroke only, you know, like that's just, that's just what they want. And it's not, unfortunately, it's not the way the future is going. The future is, is new and it's advanced and it's technology driven. And we're, we're not in that area, you know, like we're still doing things old school, still writing on a whiteboard, you know, to communicate. And then you look at the top level of motorsports. You look at MotoGP, you look at Formula One, dude, they have, they have guys there to read the radar and, and if rain's coming or not. They have guys there to read engine temperature. They have guys there to read tire wear. I mean, dude, they have so much going on. And that is, that is the top level of motorsports. Mm-hmm. MotoGP and Formula One are the top no doubt about it. And yeah, I guess MotoGP still has, they don't have communication in, in but the they helmet, have the but dashboard. they had the dashboard and they have settings that they can do. And, you know, and it's, I just think the spot we're at, I think making a change is not a bad thing because of where we are with, with, uh, with AI and where we are with technology and and humans as a whole like we're advancing and we're getting smarter and i know a lot of times it doesn't seem like we are but like we're making steps forward you know like and so i i feel like with where we are and the things that we have in front of us we're not using anywhere near what we could be using as far as uh technology or communication or things to make the sport better um because i know when i watch f1 i love hearing the radio communications. I love to know what's going on. Like if there's a tire issue or if, if the car is slowing down and you hear Vettel or you hear Hamilton or, or Botas or any of those guys, you know, they radio in, Hey, we're losing power, losing power. And they come back and go mode one, mode one, you know, and ride it out. And we'll go back to mode two in a little bit and let's see if we can get it fixed. Mm-hmm. I love hearing that stuff, dude. And if you had the crowd at, at a supercross and you gave them the, the, the chance to have a headset or or something on their phone or whatever where they can tune in to to the radio on the teams and and they can hear the communications dude i, I people are going to disagree or agree but they would love it because the it super gives you fan would love it yes because it gives you the up close like feeling as if you're a part of what's going on and that's why i love formula one dude like mm-hmm. the, the communications and, and the strategy and everything that's involved like it's just it's so badass and and i love that and And i i really believe that if people gave it a chance and maybe only do it at monster cup you know like make it mandatory to run a one-way or two-way communication in the helmet and you don't have to use it if you're against it then your team doesn't want to use it then don't use it but if there's teams out there that want to use it then use it and then give the give the crowd or the fans an opportunity to listen in and to hear what's being said, whether it be during qualifying, you know, like if, if I'm in practice and we're fifth, Hey, you know, segment three, you're losing time. Like I see a couple guys in this rhythm section doing this, you should give it a try instead of, you know, wandering around for the practice and trying to figure it out. And I get it. That's part of the skill uh, of being, being good on a dirt bike. And that's the human skill involved. But at the same time, I think people would love to hear what goes on and the back and forth and the communication and, and how everything is done. Because like I said, that's just, a, that's just the future and the, and the technology and we're advancing and people like that stuff, whether they want to admit it or not, you know, like 
they like that and mm-hmm. people people like new things well, yeah and i mean just... that's been going on for years too you go to a nascar race and buy yep. a little money and you get a scanner and you can listen to the whole thing you can listen to Absolutely. every team every team's deal there's i think there's i know there's nascar packages and there's f1 packages too where you know you get the driver to team communication and all that stuff and it, and it would be great because i think it was at spa a few weeks ago the on the parade lap or the formation lap there was just no there was no commentary from the sky sports feed and so you just heard the cars drive around and then you heard some communication and you heard the engines and you heard the crowd and i was like I would pay extra money not to have yep. commentating because I, yep. it makes you feel like you're at the race and you're part of the whole deal. Hundred percent. I, I think like it would be great, and I agree with you too. The way that we've gotten it down now, where how good tech is, I mean, there's so many sensors and so much stuff on the bike already to do a wireless headset where there's yep. one speaker in the in the bike, like in your helmet, that's Bluetooth communication. It's not like it's going to be the big chatterbox plug in that no, goes on the no, no. anymore that's that could be totally totally worked out but we could yeah. have a whole side conversation about all the stuff we could do and i think yeah. you and i'll have plenty of time in the next few weeks to do more of that yeah. i think that would be cool to talk about like what stuff you guys want to see because when it comes down to it you are the people that this benefits or impacts the most it, whatever i do or whatever the fans have that's whatever but all of the stuff that needs to happen is going to directly affect you guys first and foremost so 100%. um going back to what you were saying though checker flag comes out you're in second yeah. place what so, goes on after this so you know like cross the finish line whatever like i'm stoked dude i don't even care at this point like i led um you know every lap at the last and and, and i know i would have won that race and i don't care what anyone says dude the amount of see and I'm very subtle about things and I'm very, like I said, I'm, I'm very precise on the motorcycle. I'm not out of control. I'm very smooth. So I knew how much time that I needed to give up for him to get close. Now, was he a little bit closer than I anticipated in the sand? Yes, of course. But for the most part, I did a very good job of being very subtle about losing the amount of time needed. So he was close enough outside. And, you know, it's whatever, dude. I'm stoked. I let I let every lap, you know, we got two of the three hole shots. It was a great weekend. I shot a lot of people up. And for me, that was awesome. I love that feeling. I love putting people, making people put their foot in their own mouth. It's just there's nothing, there's something about it. And I don't know if it's just because I'm competitive um, or what the deal is, but there's nothing better than when people doubt you or people say you're not going to do something and then you go and do it. There's just something about it that I love. So, you know, I cross the finish line, we get second, and I'm like, yeah, right on, whatever. And, uh, you know, Eli's Eli's pumped. And I roll up to him um, when we're still on the track, and I was like, hey, good job, whatever. And, yep, so, okay, we go to the podium, right? And I, and I pull in the podium, and my mechanic, Justin's there, my mechanic, and Theo, the crew chief, and uh, Brummy, our Sashoa guy. And, dude, they're so stoked. They're, like, smiling from, from ear to ear, dude. They're, they're amped and, uh, you know – and JH was there, my agent at the time, and everyone's having a good time, dude. And it was awesome. And I was stoked and it was all good. And, and while all this is going on, you know, I hear the celebration behind me with Eli and that's whatever. And, um, you know, and his mom and his dad, they both come up to me and, Hey, we really appreciate what you did. You know, it doesn't go unnoticed or something along those lines. We really appreciate what you did, blah, 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 something. I'm like, I said, yeah, you know, it's, it's what's right. You know, and then of course, crew, uh, Kranz, his mechanic comes up to me and shakes my hand, you know, looks at me. Hey, dude, really appreciate that. It means a lot. 
hey, you know, like I said, it's no problem. It's what I should, it's the right thing to do. And, you know, at the time I said, I'd do it again. Now let's fast forward. Uh, what are we? Nine months now? Like we're, 10, we're more 11. than nine. Yeah. yeah. 10, 11 months later. Right. I've yet to hear a thank you from that guy. He's yet to say, Hey, you know, back at monster cup, I don't, ag- I don't agree that I wouldn't have passed you, but I still appreciate you making it easy for me. I never heard a thank you. I never got like a high five. I never got nothing from that guy. And people think I got paid. That is, that is hilarious because not only did I not get paid a single penny, I, like I said, I never got a thank you, dude. I never got a, a, like a handshake. I never got acknowledgement for the whole year about it. And, and that, that's to me, like at the time I said, I'd do it again, looking back on it. There ain't a chance in there ain't a chance in the world that I would ever do that again. And that's simply because I did what I felt like was right. And dude, I, I'm not asking for for at the end of the day, if you don't want to pay me, whatever, dude. Like yeah, that's I just whatever. I, I made you X amount of more dollars that night than you would have made. And I didn't have to do that. I chose to do that. So at the end of the day, like if you don't want to pay me, I don't I honestly, excuse my language, I don't give a shit. Yeah. But have the common courtesy to say, hey, dude, thank you. You know, like I appreciate that. I just busted my ass for those nine laps passing all these people. And I got to you and, you know, us being teammates and everything, you made it easier on me. And like I said, he doesn't have to agree with me when I say I would have won that race. He can disagree all day long if he wants. And that's fine with me. Everyone has their own opinion. And if you have your own opinion, I'm fine with that. But what I know is that he wouldn't have passed me. And I know that because, number one, he never would have been that close had I just kept going the last two laps. And number two, he wasn't jumping into the sand coming back into the stadium like I was. And if you watch the race, all they talked about all night was how much faster it was to triple into the sand instead of doubling into the sand. And I was one of the first guys to go three into the sand. I tried it in practice and came up a little bit short. And I was doing that all night. So I know for a fact, because when I watch film, because we all have our own personalized film, when I watched the film, every time I came to that spot, the last lap and a half, I would jump that and I would immediately gain time on him. And then the only thing left from there was a straightaway into a horseshoe left. And there is no chance in the world that he would have passed me. Again, that's my opinion. And I have that opinion because I lived it and I was there and I know and I'm a racer. I know what the difference was. So, like I said, if you don't want to pay me, whatever, dude. I just made you an extra 900k. Okay, after taxes, maybe it's only 300k. What? It doesn't matter. That the money part is irrelevant. What's relevant here is the fact that I never got a thank you. I never got a. I never got anything, dude. All year, and and I get it. Like, we're not friends. We, you know, we've never really been friends like that. But it's still the common courtesy and the mutual respect of hey no like it it doesn't go unnoticed your own family came to me and said thank you your mechanic came up to me and said thank you your suspension guys came up to me and said thank you you never acknowledge that and like i said dude you couldn't pay me money to run that back and do it again there's no chance in the world i would ever do that again and that's simply because he burned the bridge all i wanted was a simple thanks 
You know, I don't need an explanation. Just say, hey, thank you. That's all I would have been. That's all I would have wanted because I would have been content with that. At least acknowledge the fact that, you know, what I did was a sacrifice on my end because I cost myself, as it turns out, the only win I would have got on my 450 all year. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it would have moved me from third to second. And guess what? I lost out on money because of that. And do you think he, you think he ever offered to pay me the difference in money? You know what? They didn't for a very long time. And then a couple months down the road, it got brought up and they were willing to cover the difference between second and third. When you, which, say, you, know, they, when you say they who? Eli. Oh, okay. And, and it wasn't – we never even talked to – I take that back. We talked to Eli's dad for the most part and then we had one at the track meeting um, during testing where Eli was involved. And – they had at one point in time agreed that they were going to pay me the difference of what it, what it cost me between the race win. Cause I, I would have gotten paid that night for, for a moto for a main event win. Yeah. And from Kawasaki. Um, yep. yep. And the second and third overall difference. And you know, like it was whatever uh, X amount of dollars and it was a decent amount, you know, like maybe not for him because you know, he's made quite a few, millions from winning titles over the last two or three years and you know all the supercross wins and whatever but for someone like me dude like that was a good amount of money and we all were set on it and we had shaken and you know we were good with it and then a couple weeks go by and then then they bailed out and they said no we don't want to do it because you know they had their reasoning and it was like i don't i don't know why you would have ever agreed to something if you had no intentions of doing it it was almost like they had agreed to it and they disagreed to it to kind of get us to stop bringing it up and talking about it. And then once we agreed to something, you know, it died down and then we never heard back. And it was like one of those things where they basically, they being Eli's dad came back to us and said, Hey, we're not doing it. And that's the end of it. And that was, that was the end of the story. And it's just like, I mean, all year, dude, you know, there hadn't really been much talk between us. And then obviously I don't expect anyone to say thank you or anyone to say congratulations to me. I don't expect anyone to do anything for me. And that's just because that's the industry we're in. It's a selfish industry. It's a dog-eat-dog world in our industry. And, you know, when I had the baby, I missed the race that weekend. And I was bummed because, you know, dude, I, I rode through so much pain in Supercross with my shoulder. And, you know, I showed up sick. I had the flu for the Triple Crown in Houston. Like, dude, I busted my balls. And I showed up hurt. And there was times when they were telling me not to show up. But the problem was, is I knew I wasn't getting re-signed. So they're trying to tell me, hey, stay at home, heal up. But I'm like, dude, I got to get a ride. You Mm -hmm. know, like I can't, I can't not show up in a race because if I'm not racing, my name becomes irrelevant. So I'm put in this bad spot. You know, I got the flu. I did my shoulder in Nashville and I did my leg in Vegas. And like, dude, for the last, um, I think around 13 was was nashville from round 13 to 18 or 17 in vegas i rode two days that whole time i remember that because because, like you and i would talk and like you were beat up like beat up dude i I couldn't i was going to rehab two or three times a week um i wasn't riding i'd go to the track i'd do starts i literally rode maybe three times and i think only one of those days i did any laps and that was because that was all I could do. I couldn't do it, dude. My shoulder was hurting. I didn't have the strength. And I was trying to save everything I had for the weekend. And as the time went on, it caught up to me. I started making more mistakes. I started having stupid crashes. And ultimately, we got to Vegas. And I couldn't hold on still. I wasn't I wasn't great. 
and uh you know we made that little mistake in practice and, and had a hematoma and i'm like whatever dude like it's a hematoma i've ridden with it before it's not a big deal so as soon as i get back i'm i'm working on it you know i'm trying to stretch it i'm on the spin bike trying to spin it and you know long story short as it turned out it was it was it was still a hematoma but it was much worse my leg had swollen so much um in my femur thigh area that they were that at one point they thought they were gonna have to go in and cut the muscle open because there my leg was growing so big like and it wouldn't stop syndrome style yep the compartment syndrome exactly what it was and i couldn't remember the name so i didn't want to bring it up but that's what they they rushed me to the hospital because they thought i was going to have compartment syndrome and that they were going to cut me open and cut the muscle open on my leg and that's how bad it was and you know obviously if there was a way i would have raced that night and that's simply because I need a ride, dude, and I know in this sport how quickly you become irrelevant, and that's the minute you stop showing up on the gate, and as soon as you start missing weekends, they start forgetting about you, and dude, like, and I know at this time for sure I'm not, I'm not getting, getting a ride with them, and I'm stressing because I'm sitting in the hospital, and I'm like, dude, I'm not there, I need to prove myself, like, I'm trying, I'm trying to get a ride, and it's, it's been, like, it's been hell the last four or five weeks i haven't ridden i've been injured i've been trying to do everything i can at home and you know like <clears throat> even getting ready for outdoor like i don't want to jump ship too much because we're still talking about supercross yeah so supercross. all this stuff is taking place in like april may yeah yep and you know like I, back to what i was saying i don't expect to thank you from anyone but back on the eli thing dude we we got to to indiana right and uh we have a dealer signing at the track and dude, I'm walking by people and everyone left and right. Hey, congrats on the kid, dude. Congrats. You know, and people I don't even talk to. I had Zach Osborne come up to me and, and, and just have a small talk with me about kids and stuff. And like, dude, and, and that's another thing. People blow that out of proportion. That yeah. like, and the, you the and I discussed nine. that, you and I discussed that earlier in the year. Uh, when yep. we did that long interview in the truck and yep. like, that's, you you guys have put that to bed. People that want to bring that up just want, old people want to bring faster. it up because yeah, they just want, they just want drama at the end of the day. Like. I got no problem with it, dude. I would have done the same thing he did. And we've never, it's not like Zach and I were ever homies before. You know, like we didn't go get lunch and hang out and go golfing or doing whatever together before. We used to have the smallest little chit chats on the gate my rookie year. And that was it. After that, we never, ever talked. We never talked. So then the whole Vegas thing, you know, obviously wasn't good. He got the good end of the deal and I didn't. But it's like people still think there's bad blood there and there's not. It is what it is. Like, so people, you know, people live on that. But my point is, is that he came up to me and had small talk and was talking about kids and like how crazy it is. And, you know, he's pumped for me and all that. And dude, and while all this is going on, Eli sits next to me for these signings. Never once did the dude ever say, hey, congrats. You know, he never even acknowledged the fact that I was going to have a kid. And it's like, dude, I sit next to you every weekend. We've been next to each other for 29 weekends this year. You never once had the the respect or the decency to say, hey, heard you're having a kid, congrats. Or even when I had the kid, say, hey, congrats on the kid. Five words, and, that, and that's it. You didn't, have, you didn't have the respect or the decency to say congrats. And like I said, dude, I don't expect anyone to say thank you. I don't expect anything from anyone. But it's still the decency because we're in a sport where we see each other every weekend. And we're going to see each other every weekend for years to come. Because, you know, we're not in this forever and we're going to be at the same races year after year. And, you know, you leave bad blood along the way. It just makes your life that much worse. And, and like I said, it just bums me out.
that, number one, he never acknowledged that. But number two, the whole way the Vegas thing went down. So for people who keep asking me and wondering if I got paid, the answer is no. I didn't get paid a single dollar. I dude never bought me lunch. I never got paid anything. And I, nor did I get the acknowledgement or or respect or, or anything along those lines. But now back to the end of Supercross. So, you know, we get to the end of Supercross and I hurt my leg. And uh, I stayed in California for an extra week because I had uh, Dr. G was working on my leg and we were trying to get it better. And, dude, I was barely able to get in and out of my rental car for five days. So then I, I leave California and I come home and I'm going to, to uh, Drew, who works at a therapist here. And I'm going there uh, three three days a week. And, um, dude, during, during this time, I'm going on bike rides at home with one leg. Like I'm using one shoe and I'm clipping in and I'm going for bike rides with one leg because – at this point I'm, I'm desperate to try and to do anything to make myself feel like I'm not missing out on, on opportunities. And, you know, and I knew I was coming back. I didn't know when. And, you know, I knew when I did come back that we had zero time testing. We literally had no time testing outdoor because all the times we were supposed to test during supercross, I got hurt or, or the time I did get hurt. And then I spent the weeks trying to recover not riding. So we had no, no outdoor testing coming into the season. I went to California, you know, a couple of weeks later, my legs better, it's still a little tight, but it's good enough. And I'm like, Hey, I want to do Colorado. I've had good luck there. There's good vibes, you know, let's go there. And basically like, let's try to race. But if for some reason we are way off, like I'm okay with, with testing during the race. And you know, there were some people that were like, what a waste, like, Look at this guy. He's out here just testing. And yeah, was it the best? Probably not. But dude, we were in such a, we were so far behind the eight ball. We didn't have a choice. Like we needed to do testing so badly and we didn't have anywhere to test on a national caliber track. And we got there and we, I, I quickly found out that what we had was not, was not good for me. And that we needed to fix it. And the only way to do that was to go testing. And yeah, it didn't make us look good. And sure, going 39-40 or whatever we ended up going wasn't good. But it was all an effort to try for the bigger picture. And that's later down the road to do better. Um, you know, and, and dude, I'll be honest. I struggled on that bike all the way through Indiana. And that's just there's my riding style and you know what i think a combination of not having anywhere near the amount of time that anyone else did on the bike um especially outdoor and you know being behind on testing and everything else i think it was a combination but dude every weekend i showed up to race i dreaded it because i wasn't comfortable on the motorcycle and when you're not comfortable on a motorcycle that's putting out 60 horsepower um it's not fun you know like you're basically holding on for dear life and on top of that, you know, like my hands are blistering. My hands stayed blistered, I swear, almost all year. And it was just, you know, one thing after another. And, you know, I had a nagging ankle injury um, in Unadilla that I had that was kind of a pain in the ass. And, you know, it's just so many things I could go on and on about. And it's just, at the end of the day, like, I'm glad that we ended outdoor the way we did on a good note. We got good starts and um, battled up there for a little bit. And that was awesome. But, Dude, I was so far from comfortable outdoor that it was, you know, like I don't think people understand that. And I'm not one to ever go on, on social media and talk about it. And it's just like I said before, too, I'm not a guy who's like, I'm about to go do a bike ride right now. I'm not going to go 
post on my Instagram feed about how hard the bike ride was. Like I'll joke around and talk about Strava and stuff or you know, if anyone's been following my stories, a lot of them have been late night with, with my baby girl and just kind of reflecting, but nothing's ever that serious. And there's so many people who like every time they work out, do they got to post a picture and I get it. Like if that's what you want to do and that's what works, then awesome. But I don't go talk about everything that I do. So as much as I was struggling outdoor, I don't think anyone really knew because I didn't make a big scene about it. I've just learned to not talk about it, try to fix it. And if I can fix it, awesome. If I can't, then, you know, you get kicked in the teeth and you keep moving. Mm -hmm. And that's always been one thing between with you. Like we've discussed it. Like, yeah, you're off the radar. Like whatever you do in Tallahassee is what you do. You do, you ride at Ricky's place, you do the gym work and you keep people fairly well informed on what they need to know about and not bombarded with other stuff that they don't. And I think that that, we had this conversation with, uh, I was on Steve Mathis's show a few weeks ago, and, you know, somebody asked, they're like, you know, why why does Savachi do this? I'm like, well, that's just his way. You know, it would it be more beneficial to him maybe in a public way for him to show more? 100%. Yeah, totally. But at the same time, too, I, I just had this discussion with my wife last night. Every time you open yourself up, you make yourself more vulnerable to what everybody else is going to say. So you have yep. to pick and choose what your battles and what your post is going to be because if you go one way too far, then you get bagged on. And if you go the other way too far, you get bagged on. You just have to find that middle road for you that lets everybody know what you're doing when they need to know and keeps them kind of in the dark on stuff they don't need to know about. And you, I know for what you have going on, you do it the right way for what you need to do. You don't need to involve the whole world in every ounce of your thing. That's your personal outlook, and it works for you. And, yeah, no, 100%. And the and fact that the, you realize, like, yeah, hey, I know I could do better. I just voluntarily don't. That's cool because there are NFL players that people love because they're just so ambiguous. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think you look at like someone like Dean Wilson, and nothing against the dude. You know, he, he – is very popular on social media and he's very outgoing and you know makes a lot of skits and does a lot of that stuff and that's awesome but my thing is is i've always had the criticism and the minute i start trying to do things like that and the results aren't there that's the first thing they go to yep well if you weren't dicking around or you weren't you know if you weren't doing other things and you took what you were doing more serious you probably have better results and it's like, that's the first thing they go to. So like, dude, I, I was trying to do a couple of streams. Like I, I, I like the game. I'm a big gamer. Mm -hmm. And like, I was going to try to do, I did a few streams during, during the season, but it was, it was during Supercross right before outdoor started. And then we get to outdoor and we're struggling and I knew better, dude. If I started posting about streaming, I would have gotten blown out. People would have been like, oh, well, you know, if you weren't streaming and you were riding, you'd probably would have done better at Colorado instead of 3840, you know, like, and I knew what was at stake. So it just sucks because I can't live and I can't post the things that I really want to, because you got to worry about people sitting there blowing you out. And I already don't get the most positive, um, feedback, feedback which in the last year and probably in the last year, I, I will say that everything on my pages has gotten a hundred times better. And I think people are, are realizing now that I'm a, I'm a very quiet person and I can't be taken as very standoffish um, or, or self-conceited um, or, or, or all of those adjectives. But it's not. I'm just a quiet person. And until I know you, I'm not going to go talk about personal things and get too in-depth around people I don't know. Because I don't know what those people are going to do with that information. You know, like I, I don't know who they're going to tell. I don't know if, it's, if, it's a, if there's a 
kink in my armor that I expose, and then that guy goes and tells someone else, and then it gets back to, you know, someone I'm racing against, and then they know something about me that I don't want them to know. So it's like people take that the wrong way too, but it's gotten a lot better, and people are finally realizing that, you know, like I'm I am a good dude. Like I'm pretty humble, and I'm down to earth, and like, dude, if you ever ran into me outside of the moto industry and just tried to carry a conversation without talking about dirt bikes dude i'm all about it because at the end of the day like we live dirt bikes and the, and i know people when they come to me or i see people in public they just want to talk dirt bikes and i understand why because it's no different than if you know like when when fowler for instance comes to the races you know he doesn't want to talk about golf but i'm just so excited you that's know all, like that's what you talk about yeah and that's what we end up talking about and i get it he doesn't want to talk about that just like we don't want to talk about dirt bikes all the time but like I said, at the same time, I know when I'm when I'm teeing myself up to just get it, it unloaded on, and that's and it sucks because I would love to be more open. I'd love to do to do more videos and and to be a little bit more open. But dude, I just have had so many years of people just riding me so hard that I can't. Yeah. Because I'm I'm not in the position like a Dean Wilson where I can go, you know, let's say he has a bad weekend and gets twelfth, and then Monday comes around and he's got a funny video come Monday. There ain't no one on there saying, hey, dude, you should get back to training. Everyone, they love it, and, that, and that's good for him because he has the freedom to do that. Now, we leave Colorado, like I said, and we didn't score a single point, and I come Monday and I post uh, something about me streaming video games. Dude, I'm getting blown out, and that's just the bottom line. So, like, would I love to have more freedom to be able to open up more? Absolutely. But is that an option right now? I don't think so, and that's just based off of the experiences I've had in the past. It's just not – it's not something that's that's on my on my plate right now. I would love for it to be because trust me, I would love to make funny videos and and, and be more and, open and show the fans like, hey, this is who I really am, rather absolutely. than the ten second clips that they see on a Saturday. Yep. Um Hey, we got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back from this, I want to discuss how this part of the summer from Colorado on went because at that time, you know, you know, your every moto that you do, you're racing for a ride, and has that came about all the stuff that goes with it up to where we are right now. So give us just a second, we'll be right back and we'll go from there. Hi, this is Dean Wilson from the Rockstar Energy Husqvarna factory racing team. Right now, Husqvarna Motorcycles has many different incentives to put you on the bike of your dreams. Visit an authorized Husqvarna Motorcycles dealer to take advantage of limited time offers on the innovative street models, versatile dual sports, and even competitive minis for the kids. Check out Husqvarna-motorcycles.com slash offers to learn more today. For over six decades, Scott Motorsports has pushed the limits of innovation, providing our customers with the most advanced technology available. Scott is honored to be the exclusive eyewear sponsor of the Swap Moto Live podcast. Athletes such as Chad Reed, Justin Barsha, and myself, Adam Ciantrillo, require the best performance, which is why we choose the Scott Prospect Goggle. Recognized as the number one goggle in racing, Scott is proud to be made in the USA. Check out scott-sports.com to see their complete line of high-performance goggles. Hey guys, Hunter Lawrence here. Lately I've been spending a whole lot of time at the mountain bike trails in the local area on my intense primer, and the thing's badass. For how good it is going up the hill, it's uh, amazing coming down the hill. It's uh, comfortable, nimble, and it doesn't feel... Uh, like you're going to go over the bars every five seconds. Uh, all their bikes in their lineup are awesome. So, yeah, you're ready to get serious about training on a cross-country bike or crushing lap times at your local trails, or if you want to 
go a bit further, longer and faster, they, they just brought out a new Taser e-bike, which is, uh, yeah, everyone's given the double thumbs up on. So head down to your local Intense dealer or, or purchase uh, directly at IntenseCycles.com. Check it out, guys. What's up? This is Christian Craig. As a motocross racer, being in top physical shape is a must, and my favorite way to train is cycling. And whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order. Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Life podcast for additional discounts in the shop. What's up, Swap Moto fans? The Toyota of Escondido Action Sports Team supports some of the biggest racers in the sport, like Aaron Plessinger, Shane McElrath, Dean Wilson, Axel Hodges, Colt Nichols, Brian Deegan, and more. With over two decades of supporting racers, we've become known as the place to buy a Toyota truck in Southern California. Toyota Escondido is a proud sponsor of the Swap Moto Live Show, and all you have to do to get the best deal on a quality Toyota truck is mention the show and tell them you want the action sports special. Check us out online at toyotaescondido.com for more. Riders like Justin Cooper, Don Ferrandis, Eli Tomac, Adam Entingnap, Josh Hansen, and more partner with Works Chassis Lab for engine mounts and other special parts to add comfort to and enhance the handling characteristics of their bikes. With championships and race wins to prove it, Works Chassis Lab Parts provides the winning edge. Visit WorksChassisLab.com for more information. All right, hey everybody, so we're back. Thanks for setting through the commercial break. I know we've gone pretty long on this one actually already. We're 58 minutes in, which is typically a lot longer, like double the length, but this has been a good talk, and Joey, I'm really, really pumped that you sat down and took the time today. Um, so yeah, come back at Colorado, you spend those first few weeks testing and testing, trying to get the bike set up because you're making up for lost time that you didn't have in the preseason, and the results show it. But then Redbud, everything was coming along pretty well, and you weeded yourself pretty hard. Are instances like that this summer where you were riding, were you riding so hard trying to prove to everybody what you had in Supercross was translating to outdoors? And what's the mindset when you go to these races knowing, like, I have to put in respectable results today to get a contract for next year? Yeah, I wouldn't, man, I wouldn't say, like, those crashes are, are me trying so hard to prove uh, to people that, you know, that, it's, that Supercross wasn't a fluke. Um, I would say... That's more of riding a motorcycle that, for me, I wasn't super comfortable on. Um, trying to go at trying to go the pace of of the front runners and is trying to basically trying to go faster than what I was comfortable going. And and I'm not one that usually throws it on the edge. Um, you know, I, I always try to look at the risk versus reward. Um, so there was times this year where I had those crashes. Um, I, I think it was second moto or red butt um, where. Uh, for, yeah, first motor red butt. I got into it with Barsha after he had crashed and ripped my foot peg off and bent my shifter basically in a horseshoe where I couldn't even shift. I didn't have a foot peg to stand on. I didn't have a shifter. I got blown out for that one too. People gave me a hard time that I pulled off because my bike wasn't perfect, but little did they know I didn't have a foot peg. Um, so then we go in the second moto, you know, terrible gate pick. I get a decent start, make it work. And uh, pretty late in the moto, like three laps left or something, four laps. I'm battling with Cooper for... I don't know, maybe seventh or sixth. Or, I can't remember, but you know, I'm, I'm trying and I'm going probably faster than I should have been going just because of the comfort level. And, um, I didn't feel like that I could run that speed, but obviously 
being in the heat of the moment, you know, he's right in front of me and I'm trying to latch onto him. Um, you know, maybe try to make a late race, at least effort at him. Maybe, maybe I'm not going to pass him, but I'd like to at least make an effort, um, and, and push forward. And yeah, it's just one of those things where I don't, I didn't have, uh, I wasn't comfortable. I didn't have a great feel. Um, and yeah, and that, and that stuff bites you. And like I said, when you're on a, on a motorcycle, that's putting out as much horsepower as it is. And, and we're going as fast as we are on, on the tracks that get super rough. It's, it's not really genuinely a good or generally a good, uh, recipe for, for a good outcome. Um, but you no, know, there was so many times this year. Yeah. Where I kind of just had to, to, for me and my book, send it. And, and for me and my book, send it is not what it is for, for someone else in their book. But, you know, I'm a very methodical planned out type of guy. And, you know, when, when I don't have that option, it's very tough for me to keep pushing forward. Um, but again, like you said, knowing that I don't have a ride, um, and knowing that there maybe was an offer out there that maybe got pulled because of some other off or other on track uh, uh, get togethers, um, you know I have a little bit of anger in in me as well at the time, and you know I am trying to get a ride, and that's uh, that's the bottom line. So there was plenty of times this year where I did things that I wasn't comfortable, um, or that I did that I knew wasn't probably wasn't going to work out, but I had to roll with it anyways. And, um, you know, it's unfortunately when you're back into a corner like that, you don't have a choice. And that's just, that's one of those things where it's, man, if I had a two year or three year deal, it'd be awesome because I wouldn't have to put myself in those positions. And, you know, we could spend a little bit more time getting the bike ready and, and we could have worked on the bike more knowing that, Hey, well, I'm going to ride the same bike again next year outdoors. So we got to fix it. But, you know, like I said, the position I was in, I was trying to do the best that I could with what I had. And, um, yeah, like it's just, I was trying to, like you said, I was trying to get secure rod, um, for, for 2020. Okay. When we're at the races, I mean, you probably see all this stuff. Same thing. I write, same thing I hear, you know, I, if I hear something, it's obviously pretty far along in the lines of you guys discussing stuff. So at this time I'm hearing like, yeah, Joey's got a deal here, or he's in talks with these people. What is this stuff really like when you're in the middle of a season and you're trying to talk to different teams about, hey, I want to be with you guys next year. How does this look? And then you have people in the media on our end of it openly discussing it. Does that, like, throw a wrench in the whole plan, or does that help you guys in some instances? I know you have Lucas Myrtle right now. Lucas is a great dude, super agent, does everything he needs to do. But at the same time, too, like, what what do you guys do as you're trying to maintain the relationship with Kawasaki to go forward but find a new place in the pits for 2020 and beyond? Yeah, I mean, dude, I, I've always been the type of guy where I, I don't really get you wrapped up in it. I uh, I know what my job is and I know what I'm paid to do and I'm paid to show up and put my best foot forward and, and try to uh, get the best results possible. Um, but with that being said, it is, it's, it is tough. You're walking a thin line um, because, again, I know I'm not going to be there next year. And I, I feel the atmosphere and, and everyone knows. And, you know, it, it's a mutual thing. Everyone's like, all right, he's not going to be here next year. We have a new guy, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And at the same time, I'm trying to get a ride. So I have, you know, agent, my agent, Lucas, he's talking to different teams and trying to get things lined up and, then I got, you know, some media guys and I got people in person. I have people online like, hey, what's the deal? Where are you riding? And it's like, 
I don't have an answer, you know, and then there was something going around for a long time and people were like, oh, he already signed with this team and it's already a done deal. And I, I did laugh because, you know, obviously if anyone knows, it would be me. And I know for sure that we don't have anything done, um, nor are we close to being done. So it's tough because you do you do need to keep uh, the relationship. Um, that you have with Cali at the time going. It, uh, yes, the relationship with the current manufacturer that I'm with as best as possible um but at the same time you know knowing i'm not going to be there is it's a little bit of a bitter bitter feeling or, or bitter taste in your mouth so it makes it tough um but again it's, it's just business and um you know and i'm aware of that and and i know what we're what we're used for we're used for results and you know we're used to to give them the best results possible and and i'm good with that because they pay us to do that and that's our job but it is a it is tough um it is a tough balance of trying to keep the relationship healthy with the manufacturer is when you're trying to find, um, a ride elsewhere. Okay. Um, as we, summer starts winding down, you do seem to catch a flow again. And then all of the talks then starts up for you going to JGR. Everybody kind of knows right now what JGR's deal is. There is no title sponsor to the team. Everything is kind of hinging on what they have for next year in regards to that. Um, when we're leaving Ironman after Indiana, I mean, you openly are out there talking to J-Bone in front of everybody. You know, I walk right by. You know, we did Howard's Your Weekend when you got done talking to those guys. So there are, you do have irons in the fire. There are connections other places. But what are you guys doing at this time to try to, to keep that stuff going? Like, is it a constant phone call? Is it, hey, we'll reach out to you every once in a while, figure out where things are going? Like, is there anything you can do to push things along or do you just have to wait because you're on their terms now? Um, <laughs> that's tough. Uh, so yeah, I mean, obviously as soon as the moto ended, uh, Indiana for me, I'm free agent. I can talk to whoever I want to talk to because you know, I'm not, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm trying to secure myself a ride for the following year. And they happen to be right across the way. And, um, J bone had wanted to talk to me. I'd never met him. Um, so it was, it was good to talk to him for a little bit, you know, um, and just face to face and kind of get a feel for it. Um, but honestly, I don't know. Um, I pretty much told Lucas, you know, like, let me know when, when something comes up, but I don't need to know the, the day to day little details. Like I'm still back home. Um, I'm doing my, my cardio, I'm doing my cycling and, and my training and all that. And, you know, when the time comes and I'm called and uh, I need to be somewhere, I'll be ready to, to, to be there and, and to start getting to work. But, but until that time, um, I just I've always felt like there's no need for me. I don't need to know every little detail. I just need to know if if we're making progress, if we are great and if we're not, why aren't we? And what can we do? And, uh, you know, so the last I heard is I mean, like I shouldn't say the last I heard. Like you said, there are irons in the fire at, at multiple spots, but um you know, it's, it's a waiting game because they don't have a title sponsor. So, um, what, what could I do? I guess bring him a title sponsor and we'd have some, you know, we'd have some done, but, uh, it's just, yeah, a waiting game, um, for, for, for multiple, multiple places. Um, it's not, there's not a lot of spots open right now, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, I just, like I said, I happen to be caught out and, um, it's, it's been unfortunate because all things considered, um, felt like I had one of the better, uh, better, one of the better, of anybody, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's tough. Um, but 
again, I'm not going to say you're boo-hoo me because that's just, you know, I knew what I signed up for when it happened. Um, but at, at one point in time, I, I will think, I will say that I was like, hey, I'm doing well enough. I feel like they, they might keep me. Um, and obviously that, that didn't work. And it was kind of, I don't want to say I was reaching, but I was trying to be optimistic about things. You know, obviously I pretty much knew from the beginning that they weren't going to keep me. Um, and they just needed uh, – this sounds bad. I, I don't mean it in any bad way, but they basically needed someone to, to, to fill the seat until AC was ready to move up. And, um, you know, and I knew what I signed up for. It's, uh, it's a tough pill to swallow for sure. But um, like I said, at this point for me, what do I need to do to, to get a ride? Well, I guess it depends on where I go and what, what that team needs. And if I could bring that to the table, then obviously we'd have something done. But until then, it's just – it's a waiting game. And we're getting a little – I don't want to say late because we've only been off the bike for I think two, weeks, going on yeah. two weeks. So it's like, dude, it's not that much time. We go for 11 months out of the year. Like two weeks off the motorcycle, I'll be okay. You know, we had a lot of time to get ready. And the main goal is to get ready for January. Obviously, any overseas, offseas – uh, or off-season, overseas stuff that I do is is it would be cool to go win it, but it's all in preparation for for the bigger picture come January. So um, right now we're in September, and we I don't need to be ready ready until January. So it's like, dude, if we end up being off the bike for three weeks or a month, is it ideal? Absolutely not. Am I going to be okay? Of course, mm-hmm. because we have so much time to get ready for the big picture. And uh, yeah, so that's where I'm at, man. I don't I don't have anything. Just being a part-time dad and uh, trying to do a little bit of golfing when I can and, and stay on top of the cardio and making sure I stay in shape. Uh, I think it's a good thing right now that you're taking time off from the bike uh, after an injury-plagued year, and you've had your share of big hits. You know, your body's taking its brunt of the damage, so this is, is probably a good time to take a little bit off and recover so you are fresh to come in the next year because arguably next year will be the most important year of your career. Um, yep this Adam being a seat warmer thing you've said it and it's not like a slight against anybody you and Adam being teammates at pro circuit you guys are about the same age there's some similar interests and stuff there are you guys cool or is it like uh now there's not because we're battling for money now uh no that's that's a tough one dude because um if anyone knows their history they know that Adam and I never got along our whole amateur career. Um, never were friends, never talked. Um, actually, I'd gotten into it one time with him at like a regional or something, and his dad came over and started yelling at my dad. And it was like a big thing. It was looking back on it, it's actually kind of funny, but um, we never were friends, dude. Like from day one, we've never been friends. And obviously, when I made the switch to PC, I knew he was going to be there. And it became like for me, a mutual agreement that we will, that we're going to be friends. Um, and we're going to be to the public. We're going to be friends. Um, and, and even off the public, like we still chatted every once in a while, um, but it wasn't but, like this best friend thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't trying to get dinner with the dude all the time or anything like that. Like if, if we, I'd, I'd hit him up to play some call of duty online or something or ask how his golf game was going, but it wasn't like a, daily back and forth talk um type thing you know like so for people that know we were never friends from the very beginning we hated each other um and then obviously as we got a little bit older kind of grew out of that yeah yeah we became friends and we had to be we were on the same team you know in order to make our life better we just needed to get along and put all that stuff in the past away from each other 
So, you know, and that came and we did that and it was cool. And then I left the team and, you know, I hadn't really talked to him a whole bunch this year. And, and it had nothing to do with him taking the ride because I, I knew he was getting the ride probably, I mean, I should say before he did, but I knew right away. As soon as I, as soon as I signed, I knew that he was getting it because it was only a one-year deal. And uh, so are we friends? I mean, I, I, I yeah, of course. Like, I'll still talk to the dude, but are we – you're not uh, homies like you're not yeah we're yeah. not we're not we're not how we were before we went pro where we hate each other but we're not as close as we were when we had to be in the same four feet space upstairs getting dressed every weekend together if that makes sense no it makes um, sense and it's just like i said it was it was kind of the thing we we didn't ever talk about but it was like all right like i'm cool with you if you're cool with me and and we'll get along and you know like at the race weekends we'll drive to the dealer signings and we'll get some dinner or whatever and like we'll make it work to where it's not awkward. And, you know, that's what it was. And uh, then obviously this came about and it doesn't really change anything. Like, you know, I, I get it. It's not, it wasn't like his decision or he was like, I want to take the ride from him. It was like, Hey, like this is the ride. This is the opportunity that you have. And, you know, he had to take it. So it's nothing against him by any means, but now when, I mean, it doesn't change anything. We're not, we're not homies by any means, but I, I don't, I don't dislike the guy at all. Okay. Um, when, Kawasaki does announce, hey, this is our 2020 lineup going forward. Are you, like, made aware of that before the post goes out? Or do you? Yeah. Okay. So that's, that, a, that's, that's a big, that's a big can of worms, and I'm pissed about that, if I'm being straight up front. And I might catch some serious slack for this, but I'm pissed because their whole, the, the whole story that I had originally gotten was that they had to announce it because they – refuse to go to designations right so their their thing was hey we have to announce early because when we said like because we, we don't want to uh, the way that i was led to believe is that, that they said hey we don't want to come out and just say we don't want to do designations we're going to come out and basically we're going to release the roster early some good news and, yep and hey these are this is the new rider and with that being said we need to get him ready for 2020 and and that's what we're going to do with that being said we can't take time away by doing more outdoor on the bike that he's not going to be on next year so that was like that was the impression i was under right and i'm like whatever like it, it bothered me because they waited so long to announce mine they literally waited until the day of to announce anything and like it's whatever, dude. I get it. I guess for me, like they weren't too proud of of uh, of signing me. Um, you know, I had been been made sure of that that they, you know, they took a chance on me and and uh, and and I made them look good. It was cool. Like I I had good results. I made myself look good, and and I made them and the people who took a chance on me look like wow, look they knew what they were doing. Um, but so they came out early, you know, and they released they released it early, which. I mean, I'm still racing, you know, like I'm still the guy on the team, but they kind of threw that in my face a little bit. I, I felt like maybe not, maybe I was just, you know, maybe it's upset. just because like, yeah, you get the person that's getting impacted and you view, you feel it a different exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah. And maybe it was nothing, you know, and maybe I'm, I'm a little wrong. Maybe I'm a little right. Maybe I'm a little both, but so I'm like, you know, that kind of bothers me. Like it bums me out that they're, they're releasing it almost a month early. So now every race I go to, I got to sit down and do these signings and I got to hear everyone come through the line. Hey, AC, congrats on the ride. 
hey, congrats on the ride. I got to hear this every weekend, dude. And all I want to do is get up and just punch a hole in the wall because I, I don't want to hear it, dude. That's the last thing I want to hear. I got, I'm trying to worry about getting a job for myself, and I got to hear for 30 minutes to an hour, depending on if it's the day of the race or the night before. I got to hear an hour straight assigning, hey, congrats on the ride, dude. Congrats on the ride, like all night. That's exactly what I want to hear, you know, like it, it absolutely not. And then as it turns out, they ended up releasing a, a press conference that said, or a, a press release that states that, that they chose not to do designations. So for me, I was like, dude, that's a slap in the face because originally I was under the impression, could be wrong, that, hey, we're going to release this early because – we don't want to just come out and say we don't want to do designations. We want to announce it, say that we have uh, a bigger picture, and we need to get our new guy ready, and that's the end of it. And then that way if designations ever got brought up, it was like, hey, we can't. We got to get this guy ready. But then like within the week, they came out and they did the press release that stated that they are choosing not to do designations. So for me, I'm like, uh, hey, hello. Like you guys just told me that the only reason you were releasing that early is because you guys weren't going to have a press release like that. And then they come out with it and they have a open release says that they're, that they're choosing not to do it. So for me, like, <clears throat> I don't know, dude, it's, it's no, that God, makes dude, sense. I, like, I, I wish no it. one was ever in my position. Cause it's tough, dude. It really is. And <clears throat> I don't, you know, there's no, I don't mean any harm by it, but it was a big slap in the face. I felt like, because, you know, they, they could have just, they could have waited, dude. Like, honestly, I feel like they could have waited. I, I don't, I don't see what good it, it did by releasing it three, three or four weeks early. I, I don't see what that did. I don't, I don't understand what they benefited um, from by doing that. And, you know, I'm sure there is something there. Maybe there's not, I don't know. I, I don't run the, the behind the scenes stuff, right. but for me, being the guy who was on the team, it just felt like a slap in the face, and um, I just felt like it was unnecessary. And it was—it's tough, dude. Like I said, I could go on forever and, and rant about it, but mm-hmm. I gotta—I gotta keep a fine line because at the end of the day, like it's business, as I stated earlier. And what they did was a business decision, so I get it. But at the same time. It's like, let's switch roles. And if I did something like that to them, like, you know, it wouldn't go over that well. So I just, I just felt like I wasn't given very much respect on that end of it. Like I would have, it would have gone a really, really, really long way if they would have just waited until the last round um, or, or after the last race and then announced it. Like, I don't think they quite understand how far that would have gone with me and how much better I would have felt, um, or how much more respected I would have felt if they would have just waited three weeks dude. like, that's really all I wanted. And, mm. uh, you know, obviously they weren't, they weren't on board with that and they felt like they needed to release it right away. And, uh, that's what they did. Like playing devil's advocate on my end as the media yep. guy that, that needs that information. Like I understand why they did it because it, it totally is a, Hey, we're, we are going to break bad news later on this week. Even though they told you, hey, we're not going to do anything, I see why they still put out a press release because they know this is a question we're going to have to answer. It's going to come up, especially ahead of Unadilla. So, like, I get it. But in your respect, too, I do understand where that puts you in this really shitty position because now from here on out you have to hear all this stuff, all of the good things to Adam, and you're left wondering, okay, yeah, that's great, but what do I do? You know, I totally, exactly. I totally understand both sides, and it's cool that you understand too. Like, 
yeah, I get why they did it, but it still doesn't lessen the damage that it did to my mental outlook at that point in time. So I totally get that all the way across the board. Um, you not doing Bud's Creek, I got, I understood that right away. Uh, when CeeLo, like Jason's mechanic, missed his kid getting born years and years ago, I always thought like, wow, like that's got to be a big deciding point of like what you're going to do. Are you going to be home for this or are you going to go work for this? I thought that that was super respectful that you did. You chose one thing over the other because you and Megan are only going to ever have one first kid. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and what people don't understand about that is well, if I was in title position um, and, and I had been winning races and I'm in a title hunt, dude, I'll, I'll fly a private jet. I'll fly their private. I'll fly home private because I'll have the money that I need to have to be able to leave as soon as the second moto is done. And, you know, and like, like if I was Eli and I was in his spot and I needed to get home, dude, he's, he makes, you know, a good amount of money every weekend he wins. He can afford to fly in private. And as soon as the race is done, fly to the closest municipal airport or the private airport that's close to Bud's Creek. And he could have been out of there in 45 minutes, skip mm-hmm. the press release, gone straight to the airport, been on the plane in 45 minutes on his way home. And everybody would have understood that. Yes. And if I was in his position, I would have raced. I would have shown up. I would have flown private there, shown up, raced. And as soon as the race was done, I would have jetted, got to the airport and dipped and been home and made it home in time and never had an issue. But I wasn't in that position. And what I had to gain by going versus what I had to lose by going, I wasn't I wasn't no okay and I wasn't yeah. willing to miss the birth of my first child over what? I mean, for, Two you know, motos. like what? what yeah. yeah. What am I going to get out of it? Maybe some bonus money, you know, maybe I would have rode great that weekend. We could have been on the box. Okay. That's cool. But there'll be more opportunities for that later on down the road. And that's just, like I said, had I been making more money, been winning races, dude, I wouldn't have hesitated. I would have raced, flown there and, you know, raced and jetted home. No problem. But I wasn't in that position. So, mm-hmm. and that's just what, that's the hand I was dealt. Well, and I think though, too, uh, that if you had done that at any other point in time, just like, Hey, I, I can't race. I have a personal thing coming up. And you would use that as a reasoning. Nobody, everybody would have been like, where's this kid's like, where's his efforts? Where's his focus? The fact that it's a that it's your firstborn kid, it seemed like you got a lot of support out of that. It seems like the public was like, oh, no, that's totally understandable. Like, homeboy's taking maternity leave. He's gone. Like, that's cool for that one little bit. So I think that that you coming out and being so open like, hey, I have to not, I'm going to voluntarily set out this weekend. That was one of those instances where when you do show a glimpse of yourself into the social media thing and you let the public in, it gives them an understanding of what goes on, you know. But yeah. at the same time, you can't do that every single time. No, no, no. And that was – and it was tough because, um, you know, I, it's like five – I think 5% of babies are, are born on their due date. Yeah. Um, and it was one of those things, dude, like <clears throat> Saturday night we're at the hospital and um, – it was actually Saturday afternoon. Her water broke, right? And up until that point, I was on a bike ride, and it was Saturday morning. Oh, so it morning. wasn't induced at all. It, like, just happened. No, no. It was, yeah, it was natural. And uh, so I'm on a bike ride with Ricky, and we're, you know, all the way across town. And, but and then before this happens, you know, like, I'm riding, and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, if it doesn't happen this weekend, for me personally, I don't give a crap because I wasn't going to take the chance of not being here, you know, Megan, my wife was stressed because she's like, if it doesn't come this weekend, it's going to be a waste. Like you should have gone. But like I said, for me, I, I, there's nothing for me to gain by going. 
other than being there and getting some more seat time under my belt, which is always important. But the the chance of her being born and me not being there was much greater than her not being born on time and I could have raced. So, you know, Saturday morning, I'm going on a bike ride. I'm with Ricky. We're like across town and, and uh, I get a phone call. It's like, hey, I think my water broke. And I'm like, what do you mean you think? Um, because she was, she works in a hospital and, uh, she had a, we had a scare or not a scare. We had a false alarm like, uh, two weeks or a week and a half before. And, uh, she thought her water broke. So we went in and they did a bunch of tests and they're like, oh no, you know, you're not, it didn't break, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay. Whatever. So she calls me and she's like, yeah, I think my water broke. And I'm like, what do you mean you think? And she's like, well, I don't know. It was kind of like last time, but it's a little bit more. And I was like, well, if anything changes, I said, let me know and I'll jet home. So I hang up and, you know, we're going, Ricky's like, you good? And I'm like, yeah, for now. And uh, he's like, all right, well, if you need a dip, like, he's like, just dip. I'm like, all right, so we get going and and uh, we're on our way back. And uh, we're with a friend of ours um, and he gets a flat tire. So we're on the side of the road, we're fixing this flat tire. And uh, as soon as we get the tire back together, we don't, we don't make it two minutes. I get a phone call. So yeah, my water definitely broke. And I'm all the way across town, dude, and I'm like, oh, God. So I have full sprint all the way home. Like, it's a time trial. All the way across town. <clears throat> I get home, and, uh, you know, we go in Saturday afternoon. And then as everything turned out, it was awesome. It, it, the hardest part was getting her dilated. Once she was dilated, I think it was, honestly, 25 minutes total. From the time that she was dilated to the time the baby was born, it was so fast. Um, and she was born Sunday morning at 6 a.m. And as it turned out, I wouldn't have made it back if I would have raced. And, uh, you know, like, and that's for some reason, you know, they say, trust your gut feeling. And I had a gut feeling from like the week before that I was, that I wasn't going to race because if I raced, I was, I was going to regret it. And, um, you know, sometimes you're right. Um, and, and sometimes you're not. And it just happened to be one of those times where I stuck with my gut and, and it paid off. Okay. Um, fast forwarding a little bit because like we've been on here hour and a half now. I know you have a busy day to get going. So we'll kind of start winding some stuff down. Um, you having Ricky in your corner is huge. I think any kid that, you know, grew up in, in the era that we grew up in, I mean, that's the guy and you have him and Jeannie directly involved in your program every day. How important is that for you to have him and Omara, who's a badass in his own right? Like you have two of the greatest guys to ever throw a leg over a bike guiding you along the way. How has that been for your mental outlook every day? I mean, it's it's very helpful. Um, I think uh, I think as, as Ricky has said him has said himself before, you know, for him, he's never been a technique guy. So if you're coming to the farm for for technique, you're going to the wrong place. But his race IQ and his race craft, still to this day, is like it's impressive, dude. Like the dude's not the dude's not normal by any means, and you know the way he sees the track and how everything breaks down like the dude is smart and i don't think that he is given enough credit um which i don't like to give him too much credit because it goes to his head about it yeah yeah but like obviously i always give him shit like dude you won all these races back in the day i'm like who'd you beat you know like i'm always blowing him out about it but at the end of the day like i think the dude is is very underrated as far as race craft and and race iq because the dude is very smart when it comes to how a track's going to break down. Like, we walk track at Supercross, and, like, we'll go through a rhythm section or something, and I'll see him. and I'll go, hey, what do you think? And he'll be like, well, this is what I think going to happen. And I'll be like, no way, dude. And he's like, that's just what I think. You don't have to listen to me. And sure enough, we get to the main event, and that's the line that ends up breaking down and being the line. And it's like he's very good at, at 
thinking ahead as to how everything is going to break down and what's going to become the line. And, and I, and that's honestly, I think, I don't want to say that's the reason that he won a lot, but I think a lot of the times that maybe he won when he shouldn't have, and he'll be the first one to admit it. Like there's a lot of races that he won that he shouldn't have won. Um, and that's simply by, um, you know, putting pressure on people and, and having the race IQ to, to know where he can push it and where he can and, and what's going to be the line. Um, you know, what might not be the greatest line right now, but what's going to develop into the good line later. And like, he's just, like I said, he's, he's very smart and overlooked as far as racecraft, And that's something that he brings to the table for me that, you know, I've, I'm trying to learn and, and it's a lot to learn because, you know, the dude's got a lot to say and, um, I, I try to absorb it all, but to have him and Jeannie in my corner, um, you know, like Jeannie's gnarly. She's, uh, what is, I think you call her, calls her Sarge Marge. Um, but it's dude, it's gnarly because she has, she has every book that he has ever from every time he's ever ridden a motorcycle. She has those books dated, logged every lap the time, like, dude, it's crazy. And so, you know, to have that, um, with me and to know like any of those times where I start questioning or I'm or like, you know, not having a good day or something, you know, like, well, what was he doing back then? You know, it's, it's very easy to go back. All right. Well, in 03, you know, on this date, he did this. And it's like, it's just this to have, just to know that someone is there work, working with you every day that has, has done that this already and yeah. done it already and has experienced it is, it goes a long way. And then obviously having Osho in the corner is, uh, it's tough at times, dude. He's gnarly, and it's uh, <clears throat> the dude's an animal. And uh, you know, the, the the best I shouldn't say the best. Well, it's, it's the best thing that happened for him too. He got that he got his knee fixed, but it was the best thing that happened for me too because there for a little while I was able to kind of give him a run for his money and maybe beat him down every once in a while. But um, <laughs> I have a feeling next time I go to California, it's not going to be like that because I've been seeing some of his rides lately, and it looks like it looks like unfortunately for me, his knee's kind of getting back to how it was, which means it's going to be. Uh, it's not going to be fun for me, but it's, uh, you know, the group of people I have with me in my corners is, is honestly incredible. And it's just, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to make the right steps forward and, and, and make it all count. Okay. Uh, you have Lucas as your agent, as we've said a couple times on this thing, how important is it to have an agent that takes care of everything for you instead of just you waiting for a deal to come or staying in constant communication with somebody like you actually just go, Hey, I trust in you go do what you got to do. Yeah, I mean it's nice because it takes a lot of uh, it takes a lot of the pressure off me. I don't have to worry about it. Um, you know, at the end of the day, like it's a lot of times the teams don't like talking to agents, um, but at the same time, he's Lucas is able to be much more firm with what we want or or go after things that I would have a much tougher time talking about. Yeah, um, he knows the market value of everything. Yep. And, and for me, like, it's just, I, I don't, I shouldn't need to worry about it. You know, I have enough on my plate, um, that I needed to handle. And so to have, to have him in the corner to, to, to go to bat for me is, is comforting because, um, you know, it, it takes all of it off my plate and, uh, you know, obviously he's gotten deals done for a lot of people and, uh, and I know he's capable of doing it. It's just, uh, you know, we, we've kind of been, stuck on our back foot here or on our heels um, since he's brought me on board because we've been in a tough spot, but uh, you know, he's, he's still, he's still doing the best he can and we're trying to get something to come together. So, you know, like I said, I have a good group of people around me and um, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not lacking in the confidence department at all in that area. Okay. Um, 
right now it's September 7th or 8th or 9th or something like that. Uh, 10th. Ten, yeah, here you go. Um, Monster Cup is like a month away. If something doesn't come up between now and then, what do you do? Um, do you do you buy a bike? Do you call Mitch? Do you get some suspension and some stuff done? Do you show up and just be like, hey, guys, I'm here? Or do you just wait? Are you Do you have an idea that far out? Nope. I'll be honest. I, I was... When you were asking me this question, I was trying to freestyle an answer off the top of my head, but I'll be honest, I, <laughs> okay. I don't know. Like, if we get closer and we still don't have something, I I don't feel comfortable going racing. Um, you know, not having a lot of time on the bike, and that's simply because you know, like if, if I'm going racing, I want to be competitive. Um, and if we get closer and we don't have something or we don't have something in time, I I don't know. Like, it's uh. I don't know what I'll do. That's uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's something I have to think about or start thinking about here pretty soon. I would like to not be in that predicament, but I am. Um, so now that you brought that up, I'm gonna go burn this bike ride in, and I'm gonna go think about it the whole time and try to figure Sorry. it out. But uh, my bad, dude. No, no, it's good. It's it's good to have a game plan. But yeah, I don't know. That's that's honestly that's a good question. Okay. Um, I know that you signed up to do two off season races in Australia. Right or is it one Australia, one France? It's one. I'm, I'm as of right now. I'm signed up for Australia, New Zealand, and uh, Italy. Oh, there's an Italian one this year. Wait, is it Italian? I don't know Paris. Sorry, yeah, I, Paris. I'm, I'm We're yeah. It's it's, it's Paris. Yeah. Um, with all that stuff, I mean, those are races that you can show up with, like an an ignition, suspension, tires, and a header, and you're pretty much good to go. I mean, it's not yep. like a full blown Supercross. And it sounds like if nothing comes up, that'll be your plan is just show up with some parts that you know you need. Um, those things are good, too, though, because you get to stay sharp and you go do that. You've never done these races before, right? No, I've never had the freedom to do any of this stuff. So, like, I've, I've always liked the idea. Um, obviously, there's been people have had bad experiences in the past. But for me, like, I like the idea of getting, being able to go race um, before Anaheim and, and kind of get your feet wet and figure out, you know, and the race conditions, what, what's the bike doing that I don't like right now that, you know, it might do come super cross when the track gets beat down. And, uh, I mean, the, the big thing is just to get a few gate drops. You know, we go so long in a row, we go 15 weekends in a row, super cross with a gate drop every weekend. And then, you know, obviously we got all outdoor, we got 30 rounds throughout the year we race. And then we go from this period of time from like October to, to January, where we don't do a single race, no gate drop, nothing. And it's like, you come in and you're a little not rusty, but you know it's it's been a it's been a minute since you've been on the gate, and um, it's it's tough, especially like I said when you go from doing so many gate drops during the year to all of a sudden you go on this spree where you you don't have any. So uh, it definitely um, it makes it tough, but um, the off season stuff, you know, it does add to the total amount of races for the year. But you know, it's that time of the year where you're kind of got a little bit i don't want to say downtime but you know you're not uh you're not pushed for time and and it gives you a chance to kind of get away and and uh get some gate drops so that, that's the big thing is just getting some seat time um racing and and getting some gate drops mm -hmm. all right um you kind of answered this question the last time like if the monster cup thing it's the same question for anaheim you know i i would think by then you'll have something lined up uh i would almost guarantee it but at the same time too are you one of those guys that, you know, Joe will be spinning wrenches for you again? Would you, like, put together your own 450 deal just to go to those first few Supercross races to show everybody that you really want to do it? Or is that, again, not even something that's crossed your mind? 
Oh, uh, man. I think the hardest part of the, about that would be convincing my dad to go all the way to California to rent for me. But, uh, I mean, I think, you know, like if, if that's what it comes down to, um, you know, that's something that will that I'll have to do because I, I'm not I'm not OK with uh, I'm not OK with knowing that last year on any given night I was a top five guy. Um, and now you're just gone. And now I'm, I have nothing. Like I'm not. I'm not. That won't settle with me very well. As much as I tell myself I, I refuse to do it on my own. Um, at the same time, I know what I did last year, and and I know, like, I know what I can do, and I just can't fathom sitting at home, watching the races, waiting on something. So yeah, I guess if it came to that point, and uh, we didn't have any other any other option, then yeah, I guess I'd have to. But uh, you know. Hopefully for me, um, you know, something comes together before then. Okay. Last question. I'll let you go. You, uh, you just said like, I'm a top five guy on any given night. And that's a fact. Like that's an indisputable deal. You've, you, there's results. You can look at the results sheet that proves that. Yep. Uh, how is that mentally to know like, yeah, I'm a certified badass. Like on any given night, I'm like one of the guys because there's such a wide array of personalities and like, types and just demeanor it just there's so many different ways that when you look at a 22 person gate everybody is different in their own regard you are so far different than some of these other guys are because you're so quiet standoffish to a, a point like kind of confident but you don't beat your chest and let everybody know it like how how do you go about this thing knowing like yeah dude i'm badass like i know i'm badass how do you keep yourself all psyched up to do all this or is it just you would rather just be even keel all the way across the board. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not, like you said, I'm not a guy that's going to go post about how badass I am or how much weight I'm pushing or, you know, what my workout consists of. But, um, I carry my confidence in a very calm way. Like, dude, I, I got to the point in, uh, during supercross where like, dude, I show up on the weekend. I'd be like, well, this is, I know what I'm capable of, you know, barring something very bad. We're top five. Um, you know, and like, and that was, at the beginning of the year before Anaheim, you know, the goal was to top 10 and, and put myself there. And then very quickly things changed and it was like, all right, top five. That's what I expect. And on a, on a good night, top five on a, on a, on an off night, anything worse than seventh is not acceptable. And on a night where I'm feeling really good, let's go for a podium. Um, and you know, like no one knew that except for me because that's just, that's the goals. And that was the confidence I had. I could have very easily talked about it, but I just, I never feel like I need to talk about it. It's just something that, you know, like I know how much work I put in and, and I know what I bring to the table. I know that anytime I line up on the gate, there's a very good chance that I can hole shot. I know I'm a very good starter. It's uh, it's one of my strong suits and, you know, and I know that by putting myself in a position like that, I can be, I can be lethal and, you know, it, it might take me, a little while to adapt, but, um, I do believe that when I get things figured out and with good stars, I can be very, I can be dangerous and, you know, like, um, it's just, that's, that's just me. And like I said, that's, that's the confidence of me knowing what I bring to the table and I don't need to go talk about it or doing like that. But knowing that any given night I can be top five is, it is huge. It, it changes things. And, you know, like I said before, until you do it, you know, like I could tell myself all day long, I should be top five. I should be top five. But when you go and you start doing it, that's different. That's when the confidence really comes because you could try to hype yourself up 
and and be confident. Um, but it, it's it's one thing to be confident, and it's one thing to know you're confident, and that's just something that um, I've I've uh, hang on a second, I'm trying to pour milk. That's just one thing that I've noticed is different um, about doing it versus saying it. You know, when you say it and you say you're confident, it's one thing, and you could you could fake it. You know, that saying fake it till you make it, but it changes when you do it because when you do it, it, uh, it, it's your mentality, you, you, the way you wake up, it's the way you do everything changes. And, um, yeah, for sure waking up, um, every morning knowing, Hey, I'm a top five guy regardless. You know, like I could do, I can do anything, um, you know, on any given night is it goes a long way. And like I said, I'm not a guy that needs to go out and, and talk about it or, or do anything like that. But, um, having that confidence is, is priceless. It really is. And, and I think, uh, I think we saw that with Cooper, uh, Webb this year, you know, I think we saw him start off with a decent supercross um, beginning in the mud. And then, uh, we saw him go from a guy who was not bad and then he got his first win and then you just saw a different guy. You saw, unfortunately, for a lot of us, you saw the old Cooper. You saw the Cooper on the 250 days that was borderline cocky, but very confident um, in his ability. And, and dude, when when you, when you get a guy like that, it's it's gnarly. Um, and you know, and that's how I feel like I can be. Um, it just it's hard um, because you got to get to that point first, and and to get to that point first is almost harder than than doing anything else. So it's. Uh, yeah, confidence is huge, and it's there's definitely a lot of people who carry it different ways. But I'm not a guy that that usually goes out and, and expresses how confident I am. I just do it low key. Cool. Hey, bud. Hope everything comes together. I'm sure as soon as we figure out what's going on, I'll ring you back up and we'll talk about this a little bit more. Uh, I appreciate you taking so much time today. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, man. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks, Joey.